Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 15. It's been a couple of weeks of some really great but pretty intense conversations around here, so this week we are lightening things up a bit. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. But before we get into it, I want to tell you about a new opportunity we have for you to support the show. We are so grateful for every person who has signed up on Anchor to be a listener supporter at the $0.99, cent, $4.99, or $9.99 per month level. But we also know that making a monthly contribution might be a bit more than you can commit to. And we get that. So this week, we want to tell you about Buy Me a Coffee, an online platform that allows you to give a one-time gift to support the show. So if there's a particular episode that really speaks to you and you want to say thanks, you can go over and buy us a coffee. We love coffee. There's a link in the show notes for you to check it out. Today on the show, I'm chatting with Whitney Gothra, an artist and writer behind The Flourish Studio, an online blog and shop that spreads the truth of God's word in gorgeous florals and flourishes. Whitney has been an Instagram friend of mine for several years, and it was such a treat to get to chat with her. We are talking about the Enneagram, a personality typing system that she and I have both discovered in the past few years and found extremely helpful in guiding our self-reflection and personal growth in God. We dig into the ways it has helped us and why you might be missing out on the depth and wisdom it contains if you've only ever seen the numerous Enneagram meme accounts on Instagram. This one was a lot of fun to record. I hope you enjoy it too. Here's my chat with Whitney Gothra. Whitney Gothra, welcome to Good Question. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I am excited too. We have been... Instagram friends, I guess, for a few years now. And whenever I watch your stories, it's always just always something pretty or something encouraging. And your girls are so cute. And I just I've loved following you. I feel like we have a whole lot in common. And when I saw you start talking about the Enneagram a while back, I thought, yes, another apostolic who is interested in this and we can talk about it because I've heard so many podcasts and so much information about it from other sources. And so I'm really thrilled to have you on to talk about it today. But before we start into that, I would like for you to just introduce yourself and tell us about who you are and where you're from. Yeah, I sure will. First of all, thank you so much for this opportunity. I love listening to your podcast. I think it's so needed and you're doing a really great job of picking out hard topics that people don't really talk about as openly. And I was so excited when you mentioned talking about the Enneagram because I agree, like I haven't really seen very many apostolics address it. And so uh, I think it's good to get our voice in the conversation. Yeah. But my name is Whitney Gothra, and um, I've been married to my husband, Timothy, for 11 and a half years, which is crazy. And mm-hmm. um, we have two daughters, a five-year-old Ruby and two-year-old Sela. And we're from Lafayette, Indiana. We are on staff here at our church, Star City Church. So uh, we actually just moved here last fall. So we haven't been here um, a whole year yet. We used to live in Southern Indiana. And we worked in this amazing church that my father pastors for about, we worked there for 10 years. And then last year during the pandemic, God called us to step out in faith and make a transition. I definitely do not recommend moving and completely changing every aspect of your life in a global pandemic. (laughs) But God has been outrageously good to us. He has taken care of us and he's proven himself so faithful and Yeah, that's kind of a little bit of our story recently. (laughs) That's so funny. We also moved to the middle of the pandemic. So 
I can second that. It was definitely an experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's kind of like the world's in chaos and God's like, move. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was something else. I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. So we have mentioned already, we want to talk about the Enneagram. And I think there are probably just two kinds of people listening to this. People who already know what it is. Or people who are like, what on earth are you talking about? So (laughs) I guess we'll start a little bit with, let's start with how we found out about it. So how did you discover the Enneagram? When did it come into your life? And kind of what kind of impact has it had? Uh, Yeah, so I think I found out about it probably like three or four years ago, I'd say. And I found out about it on Instagram. Like, you know, those it was like super trendy for a while to have all these memes about, mm-hmm. you know, your type and all of that. And it's really like surface stuff. So I was interested, but I just, it seemed kind of vague to me. I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. And then I started listening to a podcast that talked about it. And then I just got really more intrigued by it. And I read some books since then. Yeah, I've just, I've loved it. It's very interesting. <laughs> I was kind of the same. I found it a few years ago. I actually was doing a training for, I was starting a MOPS group, uh, Mothers of Preschoolers group for my church in North Carolina and went to a leaders training and they did a whole session on it. And so they had us take a test and then they had, you know, a session where they were explaining the types. And I'm a personality junkie, I would say. I love personality types. I always have (laughs) from the time I was a teenager, I've anything that had to do with these groupings that they can place people in and it tells you things about yourself. So you're like, how did you know that? That's always been intriguing to me. So learning about this one, I was, I was all like into it to find out what it was. And then the more I've gotten into it, it has, I would say, been the most impactful personality typing self-discovery tool that I've ever encountered. It's really helped me understand a lot about myself and why I do the things that I do and giving me some tools to start trying to combat like problems that keep coming up over and over and over again. So, yes, I agree. Yeah. So I guess what we should tell people who don't know what it is, what is it? And give us a little bit of a background of what we're even talking about. Okay, yeah. So it is, um, it's the Enneagram's a classification of nine different types. And most people identify with one of the types. And so it's like a personality study, but it's a little different because, you know, most personality studies like the Myers-Briggs or the four temperaments one talk about the way you act and the way you present yourself to the world. You know, with those, you can sometimes guess what people are. Like you can look at someone and be like, you're extroverted or introverted mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. sanguine or melancholy. <laughs> but the Enneagram, it's a little bit deeper than that. It more talks about your inner motivations and why you do what you do, not how you do what you do. Mm-hmm. I've kind of learned it's about like your mental and emotional patterns. So how do you view life? And what is the narrative that you continually tell yourself or thought process that you continually find yourself in? And why do you react to life the way you do? I think it's a very helpful tool in giving languages to our differences and the way we view the world. Yeah, I think one of my favorite Enneagram teachers is Suzanne Stabile. And one of the things that I've heard her say is, we all kind of come from this uh, perspective that, you know, we're all really generally the same. You know, we all really think the same on some level. And she said, what the Enneagram does is helps us understand that that's not actually true and that we really do see the world in fundamentally different ways. And that when we can realize that, that starts to solve some of the conflicts that we have with other people where we think like, why are you doing that? Like, why would you ever (laughs) why would it ever cross your mind to do that? And then we kind of can get into the underlying reasons of why people see things certain ways. And it can help us a lot with understanding ourselves, but also understanding one another. And I have definitely found that to be true. Yes, I agree with that. So I had a really hard time kind of figuring out what my type was. And it honestly wasn't until I kind of talked with my husband about it and like, you know, showed him and we found out what his type was. 
that I could more clearly see what, you know, what type I was. It was, it was interesting, mm -hmm. but like, it has been amazing in our marriage because I don't know about you and your husband, but sometimes we have like the same disagreements that we kind of mm. just kind of, you know, just keep coming after. And the Enneagram kind of has helped me see, just like you were saying, we view things differently. Mm. It sounds really simple, but it's, it's the way, like he has a way of seeing the world through like the way God has formed his mind and the way he grew up and the same with me. And we're, we're not going to be the same person and we're coming at it with different strengths and different weaknesses. And when I realized that like, oh, he views this situation this way because of who he is and I view it this way, then we don't have to waste time arguing about our differences. We can embrace them. Right. And it really helped us understand each other a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. Yes, we ha we have the same things that come up. And there have been times since learning about each of our types that I've been able to look back on, you know, past conflicts and be like, oh, now that makes a whole lot more sense why that was happening. Yes. <laughs> you know, this this is what I was doing. And this is why it was frustrating to him. And this is what he was doing. And that was why it was frustrating to me. And it really has helped to kind of I guess, cut through some of the emotion of the immediate conflict and help you get to, okay, we understand why this is happening. And so now we can work on like, okay, how do we fix it? Or how do we let it go or stay in the conversation until we can resolve it? Or, you know, it kind of gives you some steps forward. Yes, I agree. It's also helped me, I think, with, you know, my walk with God, seeing how, like, for instance, my type is the one that, you know, it kind of like I fear conflict and separation. And after I was studying Enneagram, I kind of found it ironic that like from a child, I've always struggled with the idea. Is God mad at me? Does mm -hmm. he love me? <laughs> um, so I was talking with my husband and he didn't really relate to that question as well, because, you know, he said, I never doubt God's love. I never think he's mad at me. And looking at it through the Enneagram, I see his type isn't one that fears conflict and separation like mine does. Mm. And I'm realizing I'm looking at the world through that way. And then I ascribe those feelings to God. Mm. And the Enneagram has kind of helped me see, I'm trying to find fulfillment in the solution to this problem. And God's the only one that can fulfill that. Mm. And so when I see that this is a, a sin problem, a thing that I need to work on in my heart, and then it's helped me to rephrase that question. Like if I ever start thinking, is God mad at me? I'm like, oh, that's just, you know what? That's my heart telling me a lie. Let mm -hmm. me go to the Bible and see what it says or sing, you know, sing songs about how much he loves me. The Enneagram's given me a language that I didn't really have before to understand why I struggle with some of the things that I struggle with. Yeah, it's so funny to me doing this podcast, how the same themes have come up in different interviews. And so talking with Pastor King about counseling, we talked about the internal messages that underlie the problem areas in our life. And yes, that came up again yes. when we talked about shame. And it's come up again in a recent episode that's about pornography. We've talked about the problem is not usually the problem. Like the problem is usually underneath what we see. And I like what you're saying that the Enneagram gives you the language for that, because sometimes we just go through life and there are things like repeating messages in our brain and we don't even realize that's what's happening. Yeah. We just think that that is the way it is. And we don't realize that it's our heart telling us a lie or that it's a message that we picked up somewhere that's just stuck in there on repeat. We think that's the truth or we think that's the Holy Spirit or we think, you know, that just is when we get the language to be able to examine that stuff, then we can start to point out like, oh, no, that thing is a lie. And I don't need to have that repeating in my head all day long. I can find some truth to replace that with or what have you to, to kind of work through it. Yes, I 100% relate to that idea of the Enneagram has given me language for things that I have disliked about myself or struggled with in myself or ways that I've related to God, just like you said, that now I can see, oh, maybe I need to study that out more, or maybe I need to, you know, discuss that in therapy or, you know, whatever yes. <laughs> that will help with moving forward and becoming who God created me to be. Yes, I agree. That's beautiful. So I know we've talked about how 
we've both heard and read and and listened to a lot of different voices on the Enneagram. And one of the things that comes up a lot when you're talking about Christians and the Enneagram is there are a lot of concerns around the origins of the system and people are concerned that it maybe doesn't come from a wholesome or godly place. And I think you've done some research into that. So I would love to have you address that. Should we be concerned about this as a system and kind of where are the limits of it whenever we are approaching it from a godly perspective? Yeah, I love the way you phrased that question. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the biggest concern that I've heard too about the Enneagram. So when I first found it, I was kind of introduced to it through a Christian lens. Mm. Like I started following Christian podcasters and Christian accounts that were talking about the Enneagram. And it was presented as a way to examine yourself and, you know, work to line up with who God is calling you to be. And so it was a while before I learned that there were concerns with the origins of it. Mm. It shocked me because I was like, I'd been using it this whole time to grow in God. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) But to sum it up a little bit, the Enneagram is, um, you know, from what I've researched, you know, it's not science-based. It's a a tradition that's been kind of developed over time. And if, if you look into the origins, there is a lot of conflicting information crediting different people for it. It's credited to, you know, mystics and some different religions and practices, Some even link it back to Plato and kind of like the whole seven deadly sins kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The general consensus is that, you know, it has evolved over time. You know, the podcast, The Bible Binge, Mm -hmm. they did a really interesting episode recently about the origins. So I'd recommend, you know, if any of your listeners want more information, you can dive into that. It's a whole hour about it. Yeah. (laughs) So basically, the Enneagram doesn't have Christian roots. If you have some issues with its origins, I would say research it, pray about it, talk to your pastor about it, and then, you know, move forward with your decision with how you feel like you need to handle it. If you feel uncomfortable or iffy about it, you know, don't use it. Yeah. it you know, just move on. It's not worth it. But if you feel like it's helpful and you feel good about it, you can use it as a tool. So for me, when I first, you know, read about that, I had a really long talk with my dad, who is my pastor at the time. And my struggling point was that I had studied and used the Enneagram for a couple of years, and I never felt anything iffy in it. Nothing um, drew me away from God. Instead, it showed me how much I needed him. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, how could this be wrong? And I mean, I was a third of the way through writing a a devotional about the Enneagram and God and how he displays the best strength of each type. And he's the only one who can fulfill the true desire of each type. And his word can combat the fear that each type has. And I didn't feel any check in my spirit that the Enneagram was leading me astray. Mm. And so kind of where after prayer and talking, um, you know, with my pastor, kind of where I landed was this, like the Enneagram is a tool. It's a man-made system that you can use to try and bring some clarity. It's a tool in a similar way that philosophy is a tool. Mm. It matters how you use it. Mm. It matters what your motivation is for using it. And it matters what foundation you're standing on before you pick it up and study it. Mm. So I'm a Christian, so I see it and use it through a Christian lens. You know, if we rejected everything that didn't have specifically Christian origins, then we would need to reject quite a lot, <laughs> like the calendar, Christmas trees, <laughs> Easter eggs. I mean, <laughs> pretty much the majority of media out there. I think this is just a perfect example of where having a strong prayer life and a relationship to spiritual authority in your life comes into play. We each get to decide where we draw the lines and, you know, where God is giving us liberty or where God's, you know, saying, wait, hold on a minute. And so I think that would be a, all of that coming into play, then you can personally decide, you know, is this something that's helpful to me or should I just stay away from it? Yeah, I really like that because I, I'm the same. I had learned quite a bit about it from the same perspective. Like I said before, I had learned about it through this MOPS leadership training and MOPS is a non-denominational Christian organization. And so they were also presenting it with a biblical lens kind of overlapping it. So just like you, I had not heard anything that should make me concerned about it. 
I have listened to several different, I guess, Enneagram teachers who podcast. And as you start to listen, you start to realize like, hmm, well, this one is maybe leaning a little bit more into, like you said, some of the philosophy or the extra biblical wisdom, I guess they would call it. And so there have been some of those that I've, I have felt a little bit of a check in my spirit, like, you know what, maybe this is not the right person to to listen to on this. And so Mm -hmm. then I've steered myself, you know, kind of steered myself towards people that are presenting it through a Christian lens, because I think like, I think you're right, it's a tool. And it's something that we can use. It's not the gospel. It's not the be all end all of truth about human nature. Mm -hmm. That would definitely be the word. But where it aligns and where it reveals the same things that the word reveals about human nature, I think it has been very helpful for me, like I've already said, but I think it it can be helpful for us. I agree that if you do feel like it's not something that you feel comfortable with, then that's okay too. Yeah, And it's not something we should try to force on one another, but it's also not something I think we should make people feel bad about using and learning from if it's encouraging them and helping them. And they're keeping it within the correct parameters. Yes, I agree. So we've talked about it with an overarching um, view of kind of what it is, where it came from, and if we should be concerned about it. But let's get a little bit more specific into it and talk about the actual types. So you mentioned before that there are nine types. And so I'd love for us to just talk through those a little bit and give people an idea. Of course, we're not going to have time to like teach a seminar (laughs) on all nine (laughs) types, just like an overview and give people a little taste if they're interested of kind of maybe where they would fit into this framework. Yes. So there are nine types in the Enneagram and they have labels that go with them. And so I'll give like a little overview. The uh, first one, number one, is commonly known as like the reformer or the moral perfectionist. So these are People, they're principled, idealistic, and responsible. They have a strong sense of what's right and what's wrong, and they're driven to improve everything they touch. They hold themselves to high standards and value integrity, and when at their best, ones are wise and discerning, morally heroic examples that others strive to be like. Each type has a based on like a core need in there that you know motivates them and a core desire. So for ones, their core fear is being wrong or bad, and their core desire is to have integrity and to be good and accurate and right. They basically need to hear the message: "You are good." Hmm. And then number two, they're the helpers or the supportive advisors. They are empathetic, caring, giving, and generous. They often give sacrificially of themselves to help their loved ones. These cheerleaders and encouragers show love by going the extra mile for their family and friends. And when at their best, they love unconditionally and selflessly. Their fear is being rejected and unwanted or being thought dispensable or unworthy of love. And they desire to be appreciated, loved, and wanted. And I do think it's kind of funny. And I know with the Enneagram, um, mistyping is really common. And a lot of Christian women mistype as a two Mm -hmm. because they feel like that's what they need to be. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's where this system kind of sets itself apart, like you were saying before, from what your behavior says about you and the reason why you're having or displaying that behavior, right? So like you're doing it because you think it's what's expected of you or you're behaving this way because you have a deep inner need that you're trying to fill. Yes, exactly. Like, well, we've just discussed one and two, but for instance, like as far as, you know, being a servant, like someone loves to serve at the church, you know, cleans up after, you know, people takes care of things a two could do that because that's how they feel they're earning love by Hmm. being sacrificial and taking care of people and a one could do the exact same thing but they're doing it because that's what's right to do Mm. that's the good thing to do Mm -hmm. so our actions don't always tell exactly what our motivations are but once we ourselves learn what our motivations are we can examine why am I doing this (laughs) right and is what I'm doing healthy. Yeah. It looks yes. it might look good on the outside, but if if I really truly believe that like if I don't help in this area, 
this person or this group of people is not going to love me, then maybe I need to stop what I'm doing and examine (laughs) that core belief system and figure out like what's missing that's making me feel this way. Yes. Let me get that void filled by God before I start trying to fill it myself. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Then the next one is three. They're the achievers or the performers. They are ambitious, very driven, and have high energy. They are deeply motivated to go after their goals and achieve success. And they have an innate ability to encourage others to go after their dreams. And when at their best, they can accomplish anything they set their minds to and are amazing role models and sources of inspiration. Their core fear is being exposed or thought of as incompetent or worthless or failing to be successful. Mm. And their desire is to have status and respect and to be admired and to be valuable. And what they need to hear is you are loved for simply being you, not just for what you provide or what you are. Mm. And number four is the individualists or the romantics. They are expressive and sensitive and authentic with their emotions. They are highly unique and love to surround themselves with beauty. And when at their best, they are deeply creative, highly inspired, and strongly connected to their loved ones. Their fear is being inadequate or plain, mundane, or insignificant. And their desire is to be seen as unique, um, to be special and authentic. And their longing is to hear you are seen and loved for exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. Like when I was writing these out, I was just kind of thinking how beautiful it is that God created people with all of these differences and all of these needs. And it makes me want to study this more. So when I, you know, see my friends or family or people that, you know, haven't, you know, come to God yet, I could just be like, you are amazing. (laughs) These things that you've struggled with, like God can fulfill all of these for you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I'll keep going. (laughs) Number five, they're the investigators and the researchers. So they are insightful, innovative, and analytical. They're often intense and want to arm themselves with as much knowledge as possible. When they're at their best, fives can be visionary pioneers. They can see things that others might not be able to see. Their fear is being thought incapable or ignorant or being depleted. Their desire is to be capable and competent. And they're longing to hear your needs are not a problem. Hmm. The next one, number six, the, they are the guardians or the loyalists. And I've uh, read that in the American culture, the number that has the most people in it is number six. Like a lot of Americans you know, identify with type six. Hmm. They are devoted, determined, and faithful. They're fiercely committed to their loved ones and to their beliefs. They have an innate talent for looking at situations and for seeing problems that will need to be taken care of. At their best, they are confident in who and whose they are, courageously accomplish their goals, and encourage and cheer others on to greatness. Their fear is feeling fear itself, Mm. or being without support, security, being blamed, or abandoned. Their desire is to have guidance, security, and support, and they long to hear you are safe and secure. The next one, type seven, is the enthusiast or the optimist. They love to make everything an adventure. I'm sure someone comes to mind that you're probably like, I wonder if there's seven. But they are fun-loving, extroverted, spontaneous, and versatile. At their best, they use their energy and talents to move mountains and find joy and satisfaction in their experience. Their fear is being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, bored, or missing out on something fun. Mm. And their desire is to be happy, to be fully satisfied and content. And their longing is you will be taken care of. The next type is eight, the challenger or protector. So they are powerful, self-confident and desire to protect themselves and those around them. When they are at their best, eights use their resourceful, assertive strength to help and inspire others. They are persistent, charismatic, and have the willpower needed to affect change. Their fear is being weak, 
powerless, controlled, or manipulated. And their desire is to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. And their longing is to hear, you will not be betrayed. Mm. And then the last one completes the circle is number nine. They are the peacemakers and mediators. They desire to have inner stability, a conflict-free environment, and peace of mind. At their best, nines are accepting and understanding of others. They cannot be subdued or otherwise persuaded, and they can unite others and heal conflict. Their fear is being in conflict, tension, feeling shut out and overlooked, or losing connection with others. And their desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. And they long to hear your presence matters. So much to think about. And I mean, that's just like the very basic description of each type. Oh, so yeah, so basic. (laughs) There's so much information in each of those that explains people's motivations. And like, as you were talking, I was just thinking about all the turmoil and all the conflict just in the United States in the last year. And whenever you think about it and think about each individual person and what they are needing and what they are desiring to hear, and you throw all of that into this big soup of global pandemic, contentious presidential election, um, racial unrest, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And you have Mm -hmm. all these people with all these different needs and desires and fears coming into this situation, it just gives me so much compassion for people. Yes, yes. That situation itself can feel so divisive. But if we can stop and like think about each person having all of this stuff going on, it really helps you to see them as the soul that God created, how much he loves them. And it gives me more compassion. Yes, me too. The thing that I love about the Enneagram, one of the things I love about it the most, because other um, personality studies, like they're a little bit more simplified sometimes as far as you're extroverted or you're introverted or you do this or you do that. And this is just why you do that. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you such an appreciation for the differences that God has you know, created in all of us and also compassion to treat others with because you don't know what their personal struggle is and you don't know what messages they've been accepting as a lie or telling themselves their whole lives until you know if they haven't experienced God and then it just makes me want to be like he's the answer yeah for those that need security he's that for those that feel like they can't ever you know get enough information they just want more well he's the source of all knowledge or those that can't handle sadness well he he's there like he's there in the dark and in the good and he's the answer for all of us and if we just need to take a second and be compassionate and you know be all things to all men and -hmm. understand that everyone is coming at this life a different way and they need different tactics to speak to them and to reach to them Yeah, I think that's so true. And I'm thinking about how, you know, we're both from apostolic background. And so there's a certain way that we do church. There's a certain way that we expect people to react and to respond. And so when people don't do that, and, and one of the reasons that this whole podcast exists is to kind of meet those people who feel like, Yes, I want to have that experience with God, but I also have questions. Like, I also want to know some stuff and I don't quite understand what's going on. And I think a lot of times that can be perceived as a lack of faith or as someone just being contentious when really, like you were saying, like this is a person who, who maybe God has designed them in a way that they want to know. They want the knowledge, they want the details. And yes, there's an element of faith that has to come in there. But if we can't meet that person where they're at and say, okay, let's sit down and discuss this and not just expect that in a fiery altar service, it's all just going to be magically resolved (laughs) for you, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) For some people that happens. And and Mm -hmm. for some of us, for some issues that happens. And then for other things, there's... There's more, you know, um, that we want to interrogate and investigate and and figure out. And I think that it just 
it gives me compassion. And, and I'm laughing about how that reveals a lot about me and my type, right? So I'm a nine. Oh, yeah. I greatly <laughs> identified. I mean, whenever I first learned about the Enneagram and we got to the nine and they said, your greatest fear is conflict. I was like, uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> that sums my whole entire life up in one simple phrase. I don't like conflict. And then all the ways that that plays out. So I'm always trying to help people see each other's perspective. And if you could just understand where they're coming from, then you would not be so angry with one another. You know, that that's kind of the way I view the world. <laughs> if we could just understand each other better, we could all get along. I agree. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> so, you know, so that's revealing about me too. But I do think that it's true as well, that the, the, one of the things about the Enneagram that I like, and I think is one of the things that gets lost if all you study of it are the memes, Yes, is that in reality, the type that you identify with is the mask that you're wearing. And that's what's hiding you or holding you back from becoming a fully fulfilled person. So if mm -hmm. you truly start to do the work of pulling up what your type struggles with, you kind of move in towards a place that's less segmented, right? So if you're healthy, you would actually be displaying like the best characteristics of all the nine types. Yes, I I agree. Because I've heard someone phrase it, you know, the Enneagram is like nine paths back to God, but just kind of like it's ways we can grow and become more like him. And I think that's the the ultimate goal is that, you know, to become like him and God embodies all of the types in that, like all of the strengths. I mean, he has all of the strengths. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's, we, and there's different like aspects, you know, when you see around the body of Christ, you know, we need everyone because everyone has different strengths. And the goal is to draw from each other, learn from each other. And to, like you said, grow into like, look at the types, you know, that you're not and be like, Oh, what from that can I learn from? Mm. Which I've heard, you know, kind of the question about or the danger of Christians relying on the Enneagram as almost like a source of identity mm -hmm. instead of the word of God. And that's where I think that is definitely a a concern that is valid. But the key is to realize that the absolute truth is the word of God. That's the basis for everything. And in it, God tells you who you are and what you're called to be. And then any outside classification system is helpful, but it's not identity. Right. So, you know, for me and I, <laughs> like we talked about, but like one aspect is that I want to avoid conflict. So like studying the Enneagram, I can't now like if I'm talking with my husband, we're going to you know talk about something. I can't say, sorry, I'm a nine. This is stressing me out. I'm going to go numb myself <laughs> by like eating cake and scrolling Instagram. <laughs> like, And I think when people start treating the Enneagram as an identity, that's a danger. You know, just yeah. say, this is who I am. Sorry. Like, ugh. but instead it, it's sort of like, oh, I see. Because before the Enneagram, I didn't have that language to sum it up of, when I get stressed, I avoid the thing that's bothering me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my husband doesn't. So he doesn't understand that. I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. He's like, just do it today. And now I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's because that stresses me out. I want to avoid it. Yeah. And so knowing that that's not my identity, that's just a thought pattern that I'm tempted to fall down into. So yeah. now I know, okay, God, can you help me in this area? I know that you've called me Sometimes I need to go to conflict. Sometimes I need to stand up for things. Mm -hmm. And that's a weakness of mine. Like God strengthened me in that. And for any of the, the types, like that there's beauty in it. And then there's parts where you can be like, okay, well, this is where I need to grow in God. It's not an excuse to be a certain way. It's just more of a revealing of, you know, how our human nature can be. Yeah, it's almost like it's a shortcut to give you like the checklist of what you need to be working on to mature in Christ. Yes, yes. That's a great way of putting it. I wrote down, you said nine paths back to God. And I know that people could hear that and say, well, there's only one way to God. Well, yes, there's one way to salvation. <laughs> yes. Jesus, yes. And we, we believe in that. 
<laughs> yeah, good clarification. We both are proponents of, you know, Acts 238 salvation plan. Yes. That's yes. the baseline. But once we are saved and we have the Holy Ghost, that's not the end of our journey. That's the beginning mm-hmm. of our journey. And we all have things that we need to do to grow and develop and mature in Christ. And it's almost like the Enneagram gives us a checklist. It says, okay, this is where you're starting from. And so maybe these are the things you should start looking for and working on. Yes, exactly. Because I think what can happen is if we're working off someone else's checklist and someone says, well, these are the things I needed to do to grow in Christ. So these are the things that you need to do. We can either think like, well, I already got that. I must be good. (laughs) Or I don't relate to that at all. What are you even talking about? (laughs) You know, so that's where I think it's if all you ever see are the meme accounts and the and the lists of you know things that you might do if you're this type or things you need to hear if you're this type or what have you if that's as far as you ever go with it you can take it on as an identity and start to say like you said well that's just who I am that's just Mm -hmm. me and use it as an excuse to continue in unhealthy behavior patterns and unhealthy thought patterns but when you really start getting into it it's actually like a stepping off point to say, okay, this is what I need to start working on. Great clarification about the nine paths back to God. I didn't even think about that. It's like, uh, we believe you repent, be baptized. And then here's a, a few more options. No way. <laughs> but like, I love how you phrased it. I think it's, we all have different personalities and we all have different ways that God can meet us. And mm-hmm. these are like, different the first thing that comes to mind I mean I know you're not supposed to type people but thinking about the um, disciples Hmm. I would like just guessing looking at it I would wonder if you know Thomas was a five Hmm. like doubting Thomas but wanting to get all of the information and needing like you know what I need proof I need to see this for myself I'm not gonna you know trust someone else (laughs) and then you know Peter I don't even know. I mean, maybe an eight or something. (laughs) Just this powerful challenger that like he rushes and cuts off, you know, the the guard's ear. And it's sort of like God used these different men and he met them where they were. Mm -hmm. Like we say Thomas was doubting Thomas, like that has bad connotations. But Jesus never said anything like bad about that. He answered him. He showed him his scars. Yeah. And Peter, I mean, he, he used to, he was the, you know, he said, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Like you, you knew that I'm the Messiah and we have different personalities and different temperaments and God, God knows that. I, w- I wonder if he like delights in our uniqueness and it's like, you know what, this person, I can speak to her by, I'm going to remind her of this verse. Or this person, when she wakes up, I'm going to, you know, bring this song back to her mind. I'm going to let them see how much I love them today by showing them this. Yeah. And I think it's just beautiful how he speaks to everyone differently. And I think the Enneagram is just a, a, a way of seeing, you know, like even praying, you know, God, I struggle with this. Can you speak to me today about this? Can you show me that I'm safe in you? Or can you show me that I don't have to strive to be successful, that you've, you know, you've paid the price? Yeah. Yes, I love it because it is work to start to address some of the things that this brings up when you start to study it. But it brings you into more full relationship with God and with people around you. So like for me, as the nine and you want to avoid conflict, the way that that presents for me and has all my life is that I don't speak up. I don't offer my opinion. Oh, wow. And look what you're doing now. Right. See, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's amazing. (laughs) So even being here and having this podcast and talking to you about this is a huge step from where I was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Because I do fear conflict. I do fear losing connection with people. And so it's easy to say, well, I don't want to be misunderstood. So I'm just not going to say anything at all. And that's easy Mm -hmm. for me. I mean, you can take it back to something much more simple, right? If we're going out to eat 
and someone asks, like, where do you want to go? I legitimately don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be fine either way. What I don't want to have happen is I pick someplace and we go there and it's terrible. And then I feel like it's my fault. (laughs) (laughs) And then everyone's mad at you. And everyone's mad at me. Or I think they are, right? I perceive that they they might be. That's the worst possible scenario for me. So it's truly not hard for me to keep my opinion to myself. (laughs) But I can use that as a cop out to say, I'm Mm. not... I'm not going to say what God told me to say. I'm not going to speak up. But holding things in, whenever God's told you to say something, holding it in and holding it in and holding it in, then it turns into destruction in your own life and in your own heart. And so, yes, it's hard work for me to start pulling back that mask and say, okay, I'm going to let the world see who I really am. Okay, I'm going to actually start saying what I feel and what I think and not just what I feel and think, but what I feel that God is calling me to say. It's hard work, but it's also fulfilling because when you start to to try to overcome some of those challenges, then God says, okay, I can really start to use you in this area and, and you can relate to other people who are on the same path. And so I think it's worth it. I think that it's, for me at least, it's been a great tool for helping me figure out the next step, what I need to be working on next. Yeah, I I agree. And I think that's so cool about how like a struggle in your life, God has kind of turned it around and is using you in that exact point and turning it for his good and saying, you know what? Oh, you feel you're weak in this area? Well, I'm going to show you my strength. Mm -hmm. And so you're reminded, I I would imagine, you know, every time you do the podcast, God is strong in you because he's called you to do this. If it were someone else that was, I don't know, maybe the type eight would come to mind, but someone who's comfortable in conflict, comfortable in standing up and having their voice be heard. And they were doing a podcast about these hard questions. They would come at it from a different way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they would always be able to recognize that God is orchestrating their path in that way. I mean, I'm sure they could, but like the idea of in our weakness, he is strong. Yeah. So I think it's a way to see where our weak areas and God wouldn't say that if he didn't mean that. So that means in our weakness, that's where what he wants to use. Mm. And so, but if we don't know what our weakness is, then <laughs> how can we know when he's using us? Right. I mean, I've heard this, an argument against the Enneagram that it's sinful to focus on yourself and self-reflection and self-study. And I can't remember the exact number right now, but my um, counselor once pointed out to me just how many times in the Bible it says to take heed unto thyself. Mm. And she's like, you know, if you don't understand yourself, examine yourself and work to better yourself, how are you expecting to be able to improve yourself? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to be able to help others. And if I don't see where I am lacking, then I'm not going to see where God comes in and picks up the slack. Like yeah. the Enneagram, that the overview I did, I kind of focused on all the positives, but there are some like when you read about the struggles that each one has, like we all struggle with some serious, hardcore things. Yeah. And like reading that, sometimes it's, you know, wrecked me. I've seen patterns in my life. I'm like, you know, God, why am I this way? But then I just, I turn it over to him and I've seen him work in my life in those areas because I'm willing to do the hard work of like, I know this is my weaknesses, but I'm going to try and do this anyway. And I think he has that for everybody. I mean, in our weakness, he is strong. So where is your weakness today and what can God do with it? Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love it. Because if all we see it as is, this is just how I am, then when God calls us to do something that's hard for us, we think, well, that couldn't have been God because that's not yeah. <laughs> that's not my strength. So that obviously wasn't right, you know? He must not know. (laughs) Right, right. Or I I made that up or where did that come from? And so I love, yeah, he's strong when we're weak and that's exactly how he wants to use us. Man, that's something I think I need to like write on the wall, (laughs) write on my (laughs) hand. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Have it like always in front of me because it's so, so true. Oh, this is great. This has been fantastic. All right, so if... 
if people want to know more about this and they maybe they've seen some of the memes, but they do want to go a little bit deeper or this is the first time they're ever hearing about it. What are your favorite resources for people who are wanting to learn some more about the Enneagram? Well, I would say, first of all, don't take a test because they're really hard to like Mm -hmm. accurately pinpoint. The best way to learn is to just read and not memes like you mentioned, because those are really generalized, but read and research. The Road Back to You, it's a book by Ian Morgan Cron. That's a really good one. And I'd also recommend the Ennea Summer series on the That Sounds Fun podcast with Annie F. Downs. Have you listened to it? Yes, I love those. Yes, there it's such a beautiful, like beautiful description. And she was one of the first ones that I heard talking about it, and she presents it in a Christian way. And um her episode with Seth Abrams is probably the best at explaining the different types and how to find your type. So I would definitely listen to that, you know, if you're kind of unsure what type you are. Mm-hmm. I also like your Enneagram coach yes. on Instagram and on online. She has really great gospel-centered Enneagram resources. Um, what about you? Do you have any things that you like to read and study? Well, I had mentioned before, one of my favorite people to listen to as far as a podcast is Suzanne Stabile. She has a podcast called The Enneagram Journey. Mm-hmm. And she's been studying it for years and years. And so she has a lot of really good wisdom. As far as she does come at it from a Christian perspective, I would definitely say that we are not in agreement on a lot of doctrine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there there are a lot of differences, but if you feel like you're strong enough to be able to filter some of that stuff out, she has just so much experience and she's talked to so many people. And what I love about her podcast is that she'll be interviewing somebody of one certain type. And I'll think like, well, I don't know that I have anything to gain from this, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but she is always relating it to other types, to other, because there are so many I guess, kind of like subcategories within the Enneagram. So there's like things about how you relate to time and things about it. Yeah, it's very, it becomes very in-depth, but she's always (laughs) relating to other numbers as well. And so I always pick up something from every episode that she does, even if it's not anything to do with like a type nine or a type of like a family member or my husband or somebody Mm -hmm. that I feel like I want to learn more about. I love that podcast. I agree. I love Annie F. Downs. Her Annie Summer shows have been really fantastic. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think you've covered like all of my favorites right there. Your Enneagram <laughs> coach, they are fantastic too. Yeah, there's, and there are so many more. I mean, there are books and Instagram accounts and podcasts, so many that I'm sure if any of the ones that we mentioned are not appealing to you. <laughs> <laughs> you can find one that you can relate to. And I would encourage you to do so. Just check it out and see if you feel like it's something that you can benefit from because it's benefited us. So hopefully it could benefit you too. Yes, I agree. Do you have any other Enneagram thoughts that you want to throw out there before we wrap up? I I don't think so. I have really enjoyed talking with you about this. I feel like I could just keep talking forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I agree. It's just, it's endlessly fascinating to me. I just think it's, I think it's great. But our last question of the show is always the same. Whitney, what's a good question you're asking lately? Um, well, prob- the first one that came to mind was, is how can I parent like Mary? So I've been watching, have you seen The Chosen? I um, haven't yeah. yet. I haven't yet. It's on my list of things to do, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Oh, it is so, so good. It's probably like the best adaptation I've seen about Jesus's life on film. You know, that's always kind of tricky, I think, to do. (laughs) (laughs) But it is so good. And it's just kind of, you know, help me see it with different eyes. But I've been thinking, like, how can I parent my daughters, you know, like Mary, which obviously a little different situation because she parented Jesus. (laughs) But... The story in the Bible where, you know, where she basically told Jesus to start performing miracles. She didn't know what he was going to do or, you know, how he was going to fix it. She just told everyone else, you know, listen and do what he says. 
And, you know, she had such confidence and faith and, like, you know, cleared a path for him to move. It makes me think, like, how can I make room for my daughters to act out their God-given gifts? Mm. And, you know, how do I encourage them without restricting them or, you know, empower them and protect them? You know, because she she didn't know what he was going to do, but she knew he was going to do something. And I see my daughters and, I mean, I have ideas of how I think God, you know, might use them based on, you know, just things that I see in them. But I don't, I don't know, like, I don't want to limit it. And so how can I parent like her in a way that's like freeing to them, clears out the obstacles, but not in a way that's like a is it lawnmower mom that <laughs> that like clears out the path for them? But just in a way that's empowering. I yeah. think with our world being so crazy right now, we need courageous, sensitive moms. And I just can't really get that idea out of my head of how can I be that? Yeah. Wow. I have to say, it's a little bit amusing to think of an Enneagram 9 as a lawnmower mom. <laughs> 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 but I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> because if, oh, I'd let my husband do that. I'd be like, look, there's a problem. Can you go take care of it? <laughs> yes, that, that's, yeah, that sounds more like the way I would approach it too. Oh, that's funny. Yes. I love that question because it's a good, it's a good thought. Nothing has been as humbling as becoming the mother of some beautiful, brilliant little girls who I know can set the world on fire and have great impact if I don't squash it out of them (laughs) in an effort to get them to behave yes especially with like everything that's going on saying you know the femininity movement is just very confusing with so many messages going out on what women should and shouldn't be and I'm like how do I help them become the women that God wants them to be when the world's like oh this is what women should be Mm. and I don't agree with it yeah yeah Definitely need wisdom and guidance from above, for sure. (laughs) Well, Winnie, it's been such a joy to chat with you. I am just thrilled that we got to do this. I would love to get together and do it again. Maybe if people come back with more questions for us, we can do a follow-up and go a little bit more of a deep dive into the Enneagram. But I think this has been a great great starter place for people. I think we're going to get some good feedback of people who uh, reach out and find out some more about themselves and start down the path, their path back to God. So thank you so much for being on with me. Yes, I would love that. Thank you. I had an amazing time talking with you and I'm just so encouraged and I love the way you ask questions and the way you view the world. And I'm just so excited to keep listening to your podcast and following along and listening to what all you have to offer the world. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention to people. You did... And you mentioned it a little bit earlier that you did a series, an art series, where you talked about the Enneagram attributes and how God fulfills all of those. So I would love for people to go follow you and go look for that because I remember just being so blessed by it when you did it and it was just so gorgeous. Tell people where they can find you online if they want to come follow. Oh, okay, sure. Thank you. So my art business account on Instagram, it's The Flourish Studio. So at The Flourish Studio, or you can find my website at WhitneyGothra.com. And um, that series I did, so I was working on a devotional and then kind of the pandemic and the move happened. And so I've only got one third of it done. (laughs) But um, that's where the art series came in. And um, you can just look up the hashtag, um, Enneagram and the I am. But yeah, I just kind of talked about how God embodies the best strengths of each type and how we can go to him for all that we need. I love it. Yes, people should definitely go check that out. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. (laughs) Friends, that was so much fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it as well. If you were already familiar with the Enneagram, I hope we offered a nugget or two that you didn't know yet. And if you hadn't heard about it, I hope it piqued your interest. As we said in the interview, it might not be for everyone, and that's okay. But if you want to learn more, there is a long list of the resources we mentioned in the show notes. I hope you'll check them out. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or post about it on social media. And if you really liked it, you can go buy us a coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com 
forward slash good question. If you haven't yet, we'd love for you to come say hi on social media. You can find us on Instagram at good question show. And I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also search for the show page on Facebook, or you can always email us. Our email address is goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the guy who rolls his eyes good-naturedly when I ramble on and on about the Enneagram is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll see you next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.